Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgeway.com forward slash freebie. Welcome to the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway, where you'll learn the keys to building a profitable speaking business from speaking industry pros. Each week, we interview a great guest who will share his or her speaking journey, identify what their keys to success have been, and highlight some critical mistakes they've made along the way that you'll want to avoid. Be sure to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet this week's guest. Hello again, everyone. I am Brett Ridgway, and welcome to another episode of the Spotlight on Speaking show, where each week I'll inter interview an industry insider, could be a keynote speaker, could be a person who considers himself a platform seller, or it could be just a regular business guy who uses speaking as part of his marketing mix. Bottom line is, in any of those situations, speaking is a core element of their business. And I'm super excited with this week's guest because I actually guessed on his podcast a couple weeks ago. But my guest today is Mario Ficini. That's a bright pronunciation, Mario Ficini. All right, I want to make sure I got that on. Mario Ficini. And Mario and I actually go back about, good gosh, 10 to 12 years. We crossed paths at a number of events over the years was always impressed with Mario, and it was great to reconnect with him recently, but he's a two-time number one international, international best-selling author, speaker, and top 100 entrepreneurship host of eainterviews.com, where Mario reveals to you for the first time ever over a decade's worth of book publishing strategy experience from helping hundreds of authors with their launches, plus five of his own books. Pacini takes you on a journey of not only what it takes, but also what doesn't matter at all on your author journey, so you can focus on what does your message, making a bigger impact and profits while serving your audience. Welcome, Mario, to the Spotlight on Speaking show. Brett, it's a great day to be here and to help your audience. Well, I so appreciate you being here, Mario, because as I said, we go back a good 10, 12 years or whatever, and we cross paths at many events. But I don't know a whole lot about your speaking journey, how you got into the business, how you use it, et cetera. So, I mean, I talked about keynoters and I talked about platform sellers. I talked about just business builders using speaking as a tool. So, you know, which of those categories do you slot yourself into, honestly? I uh, would say I've done uh, more of the speaking. Um, I haven't truthfully done a lot of the i would say platform selling is people i'm thinking of where they're on stage with the intent to sell something right um and that's like the main thing i've done it but the most of the speaking i've done truthfully uh going as going as far back as if you want to say the local event or church and we can talk about that in a second depending uh what you qualify as, but I've always just wanted to share information much like I am now, add value and say, Hey, here's what you can do with it. Obviously, I think everyone knows if you want help, you know, that's, I would say majority of speakers at the very least have a book, but generally I've noticed they have a company and they have services that you can engage 
beyond that. But at the end of the day, if you're not adding value, um, why are you speaking? Sure. So, I mean, I, I want to dive into books a little bit later in our conversation, Mario, certainly. But how far do you have to go back from your memory to your first, let's say, situation where you're on the stage speaking to a larger group of people? And, and what niche did you attack when you first started as a speaker? The more I think about it, and I've thought about this recently because it's interesting, you know, people go, when did you start your business? Why did you get into this? And for anyone that's wondering, like, I'm not sure if I'm in the right place, everything you've ever done has led you to where you're at. What you do with it uh, is the beauty. And truthfully, the first time I did public speaking, I have to thank my mom, was at church fourth grade for Thanksgiving. And I asked her about that recently. And I was like, how did that work out? Because there wasn't a lineup of kids. And I think it was something like what it came. I, I thought it was like this big thing I had to participate in much like everything else. And I think it came down to like her friend was in charge of something that was going on and they were looking for someone and they're like, well, what about Mario? And she was like, well, I can ask him. And, you know, mom's asking me and I'm thinking, well, I got to talk to the church. I don't want to get in trouble or, you know, I always, I always enjoyed sharing. And I mean, there was five, I think that was a bigger audience than some of the original speaking engagements I did. <laughs> Truthfully, there's probably five to 800 people there now that I think wow. about it. And how old and fourth grade, fourth grade, 10, 10 or whatever. Wow. So moving forward professionally, I mean, we can say that was my first one. I'm just bummed that it wasn't recorded. I would love to see that, but moving forward was uh, probably right around the same time uh, we met uh, again, because I've always liked to add value and build relationships and connect with people. Someone I knew for three or four years at that point, uh, she worked for a, a company that was all the rage at that time where, you know, you can rent their offices by the hour, by the day or whatever. And she was, she ran that business. She transitioned and became president of a local chamber of commerce or something. And she was starting the Entrepreneur Innovation Series. And I was the first person she called. She goes, I couldn't think of a better person. Would love to have you speak, this, that, and the other thing. And it's where I met two other people, one of which I've had on my show and I've known since then. And we had a mutual friend. And... I, I just remember that because it was a turning point where I'm like, I'm getting to do everything I've ever wanted and add value because a lot of people think you have to do all these big, big endeavors. And the reality is I can't think of anything better than just sharing your knowledge, expertise with passion and imparting. I mean, you have decades of experience. Why wouldn't you share it with someone that's coming up? You don't need to paint a mausoleum or build a giant building or something. It's like, <laughs> Look at how information has been disseminated over the years, and it's either written word or spoken word, both. So do you recall what the topic was of that first entrepreneurial speech? I do, and it, it's also surreal to say, and I, it, I'm looking off the corner of my eye here. I was very heavy with uh, video marketing, still am. My first book, Video Marketing for Business Owners, and... I, I was talking about video. There wasn't really live streaming as much as there is now, but it was really, again, spoken word, written word. And I guess you could say the video word, but spoken word on video, how I've always been a huge proponent of video. So 
Yeah, I remember that was your your focus at when we were meeting at the Canings events and all that years ago, certainly. So how long ago did you transition into focusing on the author market? And tell me a little bit more specifically about what you're doing for authors these days. So our main core service now for authors is a high-level concierge program that incorporates multi multiple ways of how to market the book, not just getting it done, but we do everything from the writing to the publishing design. We'll do the whole shebang for someone, but I also incorporate the audiobook production as well as the video production of it, because if you're going to put time, energy, and money into something, you got to market it right, right? And most people just either do writing or just the publishing or th most people I see out there doing some facet of coaching and it's 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 diluted. It's one or the other, or maybe one and part of this. But I think where most people fall short is the marketing. And if they do know basic stuff, it's like, here's how you take a 3D image and put it on a website. But they're not thinking about the end client's experience, who they're targeting in the multiple ways. You know, what if someone will buy your book, but only if it's audio? What if they'll buy it and if, if it's only hardcover? What if they'll buy if it's only... It's a ton more work and that's why most people don't do it and it's it's a bigger investment but you you can't pick and choose how someone's going to engage your services and i my thought process is why would you skimp on any of it it's it's one of the greatest things you could do if done properly so our main thing is doing it at a high level concierge we'll do most majority of it for you we do need your expertise though we do need your expertise but we'll take care of the rest we also have some you know, group stuff and smaller things that it's more you're on your own, but I, I've always incorporated the video side of it. And that's what I was really doing. And I made the transition with the first book because I go, this is very complimentary and it, it's a no brainer. I could also argue now like podcasting since I started my show in 2019, I could very much argue all three work in tandem. So Mario, how have you used speaking specifically to build that new, what your new core business is now? Uh, speaking is everything. I mean, like I was saying, there's no better way to get out there and show. I mean, in, in one of my other books, I talk about having the authority positioning and Everyone overcomplicates as far as I'm concerned. They're like, I got to do this, 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 and this. It's like, you don't need any of that. All you have to do is demonstrate it. How do you let know, someone know you're the authority? You demonstrate it. And one of the best ways to do that is speaking. Um, so I'm speaking at upcoming events in the podcasting, publishing, you know, all those same realms I was talking about. I'm excited to share with those audiences because the other thing, I've had this unique perspective because... Most people focus on one thing. I have always been, since I was a kid, kind of very artistic, imaginary, whatever, creative, but I've also honed in my business sense. And I do realize now those are three to five different categories. Most people just pick one, maybe two. So I like to incorporate all of it, which is Difficult to do if you don't know what you're doing, but the power and synergy you create of that, it's fun for me to get in front of a podcast audience and go, there's this thing called video. 
and they're like, whoa, what's this? And the video audience is like, you know, you can do a book and start a podcast because, you know, you got a thousand videos, just extract the audio. Like, you know what you're doing for the vast majority. Same thing with my music background. Ever since I started podcasting, I'm like, I should buy a keyboard. I should be playing piano and sax more. I should be, they're so complimentary and most, there's so much overlap with all of it. Same thing with the publishing. I'd have to say this is in the publishing side. Most people are so focused on the book and the written, they don't even entertain the business or marketing side. So mm -hmm. for every strength of one of those, yeah. there's always the flip side, which is a weakness. And I love sharing with people. I, tell me your problems. Here's how to fix it. Cause I'm very confident I can do it in about five or 10 minutes and save them years. Well, most people are hesitant. And they shouldn't be, obviously, to go find a mentor. And I know we talked about that on your podcast. And you've got to be willing to invest the time and the money into somebody that's been there before you so that you don't go through that school of hard knocks to learn what you need to learn. I mean, it's a painful and, in the long term, a much more expensive way to go than finding somebody that can show you the ropes. So in your speaking career, Mario, what do you think maybe your two or three biggest keys to success have been? What What's the best advice you would give an aspiring speaker who wants to take on speaking as either part of their business model or as, as a profession? So you're saying aspiring speaker. So they're coming up, they're just starting out? Yeah, or somebody that you know, could be an experienced speaker, but they need to hone their skills a little bit or whatever. I mean, it could fall into either category. Okay. So the one that sticks out for starting out is realize if they picked you to speak, they hired you, they said you're qualified, they invited you, whatever you want to say, you're there. Realize there's a reason for it and just lean into it. I remember, and I don't think I've ever publicly said this, and there's only one person who may even know, one of my first speaking engagements, I was crying in the back of the room. After helping Lots of people fix their problems. I was qualified. I knew what I was talking about. And they clearly, I flew across the country to go speak. And right before I went up, kind of like I'm speaking now, I was in the back of the room crying. And I just looked at someone and I, I was like, he's like, what's wrong? I go, why do they want me? And he's like, you're awesome. And you're helping everyone in here. We can't wait to hear you speak. Please. I had a huge disconnect because of all that head trash from before. Yeah. Again, it was my first speaking engagement to a large crowd in a perfect, well, save for church. Uh, but you know what I mean? It was like one I would say was uh, ignorance is bliss. Mm -hmm. Not that I was dumb, but I was just like, oh, this is what I do. Then fast forward to all, you know, you become a middle school or high school or young adult and you have all that life happen. And now you're factoring in every last little thing, but they're not hiring you for every last little thing. They're hiring you for one thing. And the reality is that one thing, I felt like the world was collapsing and I was getting 99% wrong. But honestly, that one thing, I had all the other speakers and the head of the organization reach out to me going, what are you doing? And that's been kind of one of my secrets is I figure out what everyone else is doing and just figure out how to deliver it a little bit better. Because even then, I this is 10, 12 years ago, I had no clue what I was doing, but I knew how to do that one thing really well. And everyone else was doing it better than most, but they were still reaching out to me going, what are you doing to just push the envelope? And honestly, I'm, I was like, 
it, to me, it's just common sense, but most people are just get stuck in their own way. And that moment hit me because it was like, I'm literally speaking to this group. And I was like, what am I doing? It all rushed at me real quick. But the second I realized, oh, they're here for this. I can speak on this all day long. And it was marketing stuff. Yeah, just uh, if it, for anyone listening, going, well, what the heck was it? Well, it was it astrophysics. No, it was just marketing stuff that yeah. is doing really well. Well, you know, imposter syndrome is definitely something a lot of speakers need to overcome. I mean, it's like, am I worthy to be up here in front of this audience? And the bottom line is, you know, 99% more than the people in the audience. Right. So, you know, share what you can and, and help as many people as you can. So, I mean, it, it's it's a real challenge for speakers. I was in a mastermind group recently, and I would say a good... 85% of the people in that group had that exact problem. They didn't feel they were worthy in their mind to be the one up on stage or on that show sharing their message. And they, so, Meanwhile, they all had, what, six, seven, eight-figure businesses. They had helped hundreds or thousands of people, and they've been doing it for more than five years at least. Yeah, yeah. All right, so what's maybe a, a, a hint? Number two on, on having success as a speaker in your mind. So I'm a, I'm glad you asked that because the one for the semi-established slash established, even pro veteran, what's your standard? What's your standard and are you pushing the limits of what you can? Because I think everyone suffers from this complacency at whatever level. I know, I know this. It's working. I'm making X amount. I'm helping people. I'm doing what I'm supposed to. When's the last time you honestly scared yourself a little bit and went, I'm pushing the comfort zone. I have seen now over the last 10, 20 years, people that were, I looked up to and to a degree still do much respect for them. Some of them have continued to learn and grow. Others have gotten very complacent with where they, I could say are, but in my perspective were, they're at the same place they were 10 years ago. That's mm -hmm. my own personal hell. Hmm. I don't care if this whole thing blows up. I'm going to rebuild it by next year. I am not going to be in the same place though. You can have that mentality at any level in the standard. I see it with people on my show. You mentioned it and I got to thank you for the review. I just saw it. I don't know, or yesterday or today, about the level of professionalism. I started with a high standard day one, and I was always pushing the limit. And now it's still there, but it's so, it, it, I'm, you know, 400 episodes in or whatever. Uh -huh. And I'm like, oh, I've been doing this for years. I don't even think about it. But you have to remember that I set it so high to begin with, far and few between even attempt it let alone match it and exceed it. And that, I would argue, can be a unique uh, value proposition, selling proposition, at, at least an attention grabber. I have never had the advantages that most people start with. And I used to get so upset about it. There was people I would coach and mentor, and they, they seemed like they had all the money in the world, all the time, the perfect life, perfect family. And my whole issue was, why are they coming to me for help? They have everything I want. I'm striving for, but it was that one thing. They didn't know this one thing that I excelled at. And then it became two and three and five and 10 and whatever. But the reality is they could have still been complacent. 
you might have every advantage in the world, but if you don't see it, I, I think part of the advantage I have now is being able to take a small little crumb, because that's what I started with, and turn it into a castle, where most people have the castle and they go, well, we don't even want to open the window or paint the door. <laughs> when they have a team of people or they could hire someone and they, it wouldn't even phase them. And I'm just like, man, it would be so... It, would be so nice when I get to the point where I could have a team or, you know, some support. Mm. And that's just, that's just mindset. It's like, where do you want, where do you want the world to be? Wow. Where do you want the world to know you? Like what level, you know, I use cars cause I'm from Detroit motor city and it's like, <laughs> you could argue a car is a car, but there's, you know, you have entry level ones, which I try not to put down too much. Just think of one. And then you have Rolls Royce and everything in between. Where do you want to play? It's yep. just a choice. You can start any of those. Now, I will say the higher levels might be harder to start earlier on, but if you're always striving and have that mentality, you'll either get there a lot sooner. Um, you'll get there sooner than you think, and you're at least going in the right direction. Don't don't get stuck at any level long-term. You have to innovate and keep growing. And that's so important. I mean, you, you got to go in with the mindset of I'm going to continue to learn. I mean, you could sit back and rest on your laurels and all that, but I mean, that's why you participate in masterminds. That's why you go to new classes. I mean, because of all the people I know in the industry, I could honestly get any kind of training I wanted basically for free, but I'm paying the guy to go through this course right now because I think if you have a skin in the game, so to speak, you're more vested in it. More, Absolutely. More inclined to do what you should do rather than just sitting back and knowing you can reach out at any time and get anything you want, essentially. So, all right. Well, such great points, Mario. I do have a couple other questions I want to ask you. Please. But before we do, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgeway.com forward slash freebie. And we are back with the Spot on a Speaking Show with my guest Mario Ficini. And Mario, this is probably my favorite question to ask people, and that is, all right, bear your soul a little bit, buddy. Tell me maybe a mistake or two that you made along the way that may have been kind of embarrassing at the time, but it was a lesson learned and something that you would advise other speakers not to make. Uh, I'm going to piggyback off of the imposter syndrome. Be prepared, do your best, and do everything that's in your control. You might not be Tony. The likelihood you are Tony Robbins is slim because there's only one, even if you're as good of an orator as him. But realize... At every level, you can be pushing that level. You might not know everything in the world, but if you're best prepared, people will see you're doing your best. And the times that stuff has went completely haywire, it's gone. I'm. Uh, thank you for bringing all this up. It's I've, <laughs> I've successfully pushed it away and overcame it. Um, there's one guy that stands out. Um, he was just mean. And, you know, he was nice for six months and everything was good. And then it just turned nasty 
And when my driver was picking me up from another speaking event, I was getting my ear chewed off on the phone and it wasn't even on speakerphone. And he drops me off at my house and he goes, I don't know who that was or what that was about, but he did not need to be that. It wasn't on speakerphone and he could hear the guy and I'm just sitting here taking it. And it was just some simple miscommunication. It was some simple. And I, for months, I was like, what did I do so wrong? I was at fault for certain small things. It was really like an email or phone call could have solved it prior to the point. Someone didn't tell him the whole story. Also, months later, I found out there was alcohol involved and maybe everything wasn't completely straight. I'm like, okay, well, I don't wish that upon anyone, but I feel a little bit better because I literally was racking my, whenever something goes right, I'm like analyzing the crap out of it to go, how can we do it that not only do it again and recreate it, but better. But when something goes wrong, I also analyze the crap out of it and go, what we need to stop everything and figure out how we can do this better. And for the life of me, I was like, okay, I did screw up this and this. And again, it could have been resolved in an email or phone call. But at the time I was running so hard, it was, you know, put the blinders on future focused. It, it, but it was nowhere near a 55 minute get chewed out, have other people that don't eat. Like everyone in the world was like, you could have done this better, but it was nowhere near as extreme of a scenario as so managing client expectations. Yeah, well, you know, I apologize for dredging up bad memories and you can send me your therapist. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> You know, it's funny you talk about that that kind of situation. And I mean, I remember attending events where you see a speaker on stage and they're all warm and smiling and fuzzy. Then you'd be backstage and they'd be cussing their staff out over some little detail or whatever. And it just, you know, it just total, total disconnects. So, all right. I, so, I, if I can add a, a, another one in there, sure. this one will really help people too. And you you said events. So that one was with a personal client. Um. Anyway. Uh, and this one is for speaking, managing your own expectations. There's been events I've spoke at and gone to where some of them treat you really good and others just treat you like you're there to do something for them. When they don't make it clear, especially when you've done it multiple times, like I, like I said, I like to connect, build relationships and grow, innovate. And I would love to get your perspective on this because you might say, you know what, you're 100% right, they were wrong. Or you might say, you're off your rocker, they're, they're, they owed you nothing. But yeah. it came down to, it wasn't my first speaking engagement. Yeah, This was years after I've already been established ar around multiple places, let alone this circle that I was well known in. And it seemed like it would they were getting less and less accommodating less and less friendly and almost like it was as time went on they were doing less for the speakers or at least me i could have been in my mind it could have not but there was some disagreements over like what what's allowed and what's not and it wasn't saying anything bad on stage it was just like access and permission to stuff that i had done dozens of times that was no longer included if i didn't pay for it hmm. if that makes sense yeah, makes sense. You so know, what's your take? Well, you know, am I, I mean, am I wrong or have you seen this happen multiple times? 
You know, I, I've seen it happen, you know, as particularly when event promoters, maybe, you know, they had a smaller crowd than they thought they were going to have and all that. So they need to start pulling back on things and they just don't know how to do it in the right way. And so they stumble. Well, not saying it or telling anyone. Yeah. Oh, the right way. oh yeah. I mean, you know, you say that, it reminds me, my, my wife talks all the time about some website you know am i the asshole or not it's like all right this sounds like an, <laughs> this sounds like an, now am i the asshole episode or not <laughs> so i i you know partially yes, again yes, yeah, yes I've so it, it sounds like it's summing up to just managing expectations and communication yeah it is ahead of time you know make sure that you know the, all the ground rules are agreed to and even if you've worked with that group before make sure they're agreed to the next time because factors can change so all right, well, we're coming to the end of our time together here. So I want to, we talked about authors a little bit. So if people want to get involved in your world in some way, Mario, what's the best way to do that? Where should they go? The best place really is eapublishingmethodbook.com. It's the starting point for anything author related, whether you want to do it yourself or engage our services and have us do, uh, do it for you. Uh, it's really the starting point, eapublishingmethodbook.com. All right, well, we'll make sure that's down in the show notes below, and I need to make a note of that to make sure that's in the notes I sent to my podcast guy. So EA, give it to me again just to make sure I got it. EAPublishingMethodBook.com. Book.com. All right, super. All right, well, thank you so much, Mario, for being with me today. This has been another episode of the Spotlight on Speaking show, and we'll be back next week with another fantastic guest. But if you haven't already, I encourage you to go to brettridgeway.com and pick up a copy of my free special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. And my new book is actually coming out in about two, two to three months called How to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. So if you'd like to be notified of the actual release of that book, you can do that at buildaprofitablespeakingbusiness.com. But again, Mario, thank you so much. As always, everybody, I wish you the greatest of success in all that you do. And may 2023 be your greatest year yet. Take care. This has been the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway. Be sure to join us every week as we interview speaking industry pros and have them share their best tips for building a profitable speaking business. Until next week, thank you for tuning in. And remember to visit our website at SpotlightOnSpeaking.com so you can enjoy even more great episodes like this one. While you're here, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Spotlight on Speaking show. Until then, our sincere best wishes to you for the greatest of success as you work to build your own profitable speaking business.